Welcome in to episode six, Get Fiddles and Paradiddles. My name is Chris. I am John. And guys, we're excited to uh, to be uh, on this journey still. Episode six is pretty amazing. We're um, very excited about the community and, um, you know, it's been super positive. Yes, it's been very, very lovely and, and, and warming and welcoming uh, us uh, rookies into the podcasting realm. Exactly. Rookies. Uh, I love, I love uh, that. The podcasting dojo, if you will. <laughs> um Super excited to bring you episode six. I think we've got another juicy topic to discuss. I agree. Um, um, definitely, definitely juicy. Yes. And guys, we want you to remember. We want to get this in before we get any further. That this 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 podcast is uh, for the working musician by the working musician. Absolutely. John and I have cataloged in previous uh, episodes, especially episodes one and two, kind of our, our working uh, history as musicians mm-hmm. together and individually. Yep. Um, so uh, let's let's just dive right in. Today's topic uh, is one that John came up with, which we really love. It's uh, it's basically how to learn a song, or are you learning your song correctly? So let's just overshadow this with right. the understanding that you're a working musician. Yes, you're out there. You're getting the gigs. You're doing the job. Right. Right. What steps are you taking to learn the song? Right. So um, let's let's kind of break down some ways that. Either you are or aren't. Let's let's talk about ways that we we aren't. Like, what are ways that maybe is not a proper way to learn a song? Well, I think the first and most important thing that you have to do, and this is probably going to sound a little weird, uh, not to you, obviously, but <laughs> is you need to really just listen to the song, right, right, for a whole entire day. It's all you do. Is right, listen to the song. Right. Okay. Because we are assuming at this point that you guys have a certain ability, right? You're at a certain level playing-wise. You, you can learn a song by right. Right. whatever means you have, right. listening, YouTube. So before you even get on your instrument, the first thing I do is I am listening to the song. Right. Putting it in a playlist or if it's just a, a individual song, repetition of listening to that song. I'm absorbing the song in my musical soul, if you will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So once I have listened to the song and have kind of went through my checklist of things that I'm listening for, arrangement, you know, obviously would be the first thing I'm listening was, what's the arrangement of this? Is it verse, chorus? Is it verse, chorus, bridge, verse, verse, chorus, whatever it may be, the, whatever the arrangement is, that's what I'm picking up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and the melody, you know, those are the first two things that I, I I pick up on, but I'm doing that without playing my instrument. Right. I'm simply right. observing it through my ears. Right. So I think that is super important, and you should probably... By now, start a drinking game for as many times as I've said super important. So every time I say that, take a shot of your favorite beverage, because uh, I've noticed throughout these podcasts I say that all the time. Super important. Super important. Start your drinking game because it's super important. <laughs> no, but just being able to uh, internalize a song, and I bet you do the same thing when you're listening to a song yep. as you listen to the song yep. first. Yep. One of the ways I learn a song um, is to get so comfortable with listening to it mm-hmm. that it becomes something I can sing in my head. Right. right? So it's, if it's somebody was like, right. hey, this song that you're learning, whether it be song one or song 10 or song 30, whatever that may be, uh-huh. if someone were to say, give me the tempo to this song, 
what I normally try to do is get really comfortable with the chorus. Yep. And so if I can sing a chorus or a pre-chorus or yep. whatever really sticks with me, yep. then I have a basis for going, okay, here's my tempo. Right. And then down the chain mm-hmm. or up the chain, whichever mm-hmm. way you want to say mm-hmm. it. Next, I'm going to know there's my tempo. Yep. There's my fill. Yep. F-I. No, F-E. F-E-E-L. No, that's not, tough. Not, not drum fill. That's tough. <clears throat> um, one drummer I listened to on a podcast not yep. too long ago with Keith Carlock. Yeah. He explained it the same way, and yeah. I was actually really excited. That's awesome. Dude, like, like, see? He goes, you know, You've been listening. He's been listening. I mean, listen, listen. This, this guy plays with Steely Dan, or did. Right. Uh, rest in peace. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. That's okay. Um, but when he was with Steely Dan, yeah. he was on a podcast, and yeah. he said that that's what he does, too. And he, all the gigs Absolutely. he takes from playing with John Mayer or mm-hmm. whoever, um, he, he listens to the material mm-hmm. with headphones, no mm-hmm. instrument, no drumsticks in his hands. And he's like, I want to be able to internalize this song so much that it becomes second nature that when I do sit down at the drums, I'm not second guessing, are we in the pre-chorus, are we in the chorus, right. and so on. It just speeds up the workflow yep. at that yep. point. Yep. So I love what you're saying. So when you're learning the song... Properly, in my world of, of guitar land, is first I listen to the song. So after that, when I sit down to put the rubber to the road, the first thing that you have to do is, as a guitar player, that is not is, is a little easier said than done, I think, is actually copying the tone of that guitar. You have to be able to dissect the guitar sound what type of guitar is it is it a fender style guitar is it a gibson style guitar is it a single coil humbucker which position is it a neck bridge you have to be able to dissect that Mm -hmm. and when you're listening to the song just listening to it all that stuff is done at that time Mm -hmm. you've pretty much pinpointed what you need Mm -hmm. in, in order to achieve said tones let me let me jump in right there yeah, and yeah. just that's an interesting thing you bring up. So so as a guitar player mm-hmm. or someone that's playing a melodic instrument, that's not something as a drummer I really think about. Like I don't think how am I going to copy a snare tone unless the right. artist tells me that's what they want. My snare sounds like my snare. Right, it fits for about eighty five percent of what I do. So that's interesting. Listen close, guitar players, bass players, things like that, because drummers we're probably not trying to comp things that are yeah tone yeah. related. So right. in your file folder in your head when you're learning these verse, pre-chorus, mm-hmm. chorus, be thinking about tones too. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, kinda, it's, you kind of piqued my interest with that. Yeah, man. See, you <laughs> come up a little bit. So you guys, I still learn from John. We've been playing together forever. Uh, well, you know, I've learned this from, for, from really good teachers and players that I've had the, um, you know, been blessed to have been taught by or played with. Um, you know, I, I've, I was constantly just always observing Mm -hmm. that's one good thing about about me i might not be a smart man but (laughs) my powers of observation are massive okay they are massive i think i think that's that's true of any great musician right being able to absorb like visually is is got to be it's got to be high priority it it really does so one thing that i observed from those guys was what they were doing when they would learn a song after a a good, you know, couple of years of, you know, observing what these cats were doing, I really, the first thing I observed was, wow, man, they really nailed the sound of the song, mm-hmm. like the, mm-hmm. the feel, the tone, like all of it, like mm-hmm. it, it just sounded like the record. So 
one thing I obviously asked those teachers, players, is like, man, what? How do you? How'd you do that? Mm-hmm. You know? And they were the same thing. I was like, well, it's a it's a fender telly on the bridge pickup, you know, a little bit of compression, and you push in front end of the of your amp, you know, it's not really distortion, just a little bit of breakup. And I'm like, oh, what? 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 <laughs> so, hang on, start over. Yeah, exactly. So they were describing to me every everything from the, you know, from nuts to bolts, how they achieved mm-hmm. that that tone of that song, and it is. Super important, get a drink, to be able to deduce those uh, different things that's going on to when you get to your instrument to really hammer out the song at that point. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that go into uh, just besides playing a part. You know, you have to be able to figure out the type of guitar sound you need to cop, what type of you know, amp tone, what type of pedal combinations, all that needs to be, um, that, that, that's going to take up probably about 75% of the song, quote right. unquote. Right. And then the rest is just learning the arrangement and playing it. Um, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing that I don't think a lot of guitar players are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they'll play the song per se, mm-hmm. But the tones don't match up with the record. The dynamic feels aren't the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't do that, um, it's not going to sound like it needs to sound. You know, we talked about dynamics in our previous episode in practice. Yes. And you know, imagine if you put the time in to learn a song, to learn you know, all the parts, all the fills, mm-hmm. all the you know, extra things you need mm-hmm. to play. But you didn't pay attention to the tone and you didn't pay attention to the dynamics. You put that on stage, it's going to sound like you didn't learn the part. Exactly. But you may have spent hours learning it, but yep. you didn't focus on you the things that make it that. sound like the song. The song. Right. So <clears throat> guitar players, you know, that's part of being a really solid player is being able to, you know, cop those parts mm-hmm. or learn those parts. Um, and, and when I say learn the parts, being able to decipher from the guitar down to the pedals, down to the amplifier, down to the dynamics, how hard you need to pick during the verse versus how hard you need to pick during the chorus. Mm-hmm. You know, if it has a signature guitar solo, mm-hmm. you need to learn that note for note. Right. Everything needs to be broken down systematically like that. Yeah, I think if, unless an artist tells you, you know, do play what you want to here in the yes. solo, you need to just learn it like it's been done and that's it and that's what I've always I've always had a nail on the wall that I could hang my hat on with that because that's I've always had that ability that I learned from you know years at school and, and, and being around awesome players and super talented players better than I am you know is once I got that first compliment from one of those guys like man you really nailed that dude you mm-hmm. nailed that song. Mm-hmm. That was it. Like, I didn't want to unnail a song ever again, <laughs> no, right? No unnailing. So, I've always been able to uh, realize that, you know, almost to circle back to our synergy episode, you know, like what you're doing on guitar works in tandem with everybody else in the band. Mm-hmm. And if you're feels and your tones aren't right then everybody else in the band is just going to look at you funny yeah. it's just not going to throws everybody off it's not going to work mm-hmm. so that's when you're really doing your job as a guitar player because everybody in the band will 
tell you, man, you really nailed that song, you mm-hmm. know. So that's after I get the song nailed down, you know, you, you got to go perform it, mm-hmm. you know, at that point. Usually the crowd, you know, will give you some sort of feedback positively yeah. or negatively. Yeah. Hopefully positively, but, you know, sticking to that formula for me has just paid dividends mm-hmm. in, in, in helping me becoming a working musician and helping me consistently um, keep my name in circles that are allowing me to get gigs to this day. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. But these are these are the building blocks to keep getting those gigs to mm-hmm. stay in that working musician mm-hmm. uh, category. I mean, if you if you're doing all of these things right, then you know you're going to keep getting callbacks, the right. referrals, and and, and and that's that's ultimately what we we all want to do. And there is such a especially, I mean, just you know here locally in town, you know, playing in the great state of Georgia, <laughs> um, there's plenty of gigging opportunities around here for somebody who's can do what an artist wants them to do play their song how it's recorded right play cover songs how they're recorded right you know and if you're willing to you know put in that kind of um, commitment to that you will notice a steady influx of of gig getting gig getting return on investment yeah return on investment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so being that you are trying, if you know, for me, I, you know, obviously that's what I want to do is I'm trying to do my music. So, you know, uh, circling back to my point, you know, when I get calls from an artist to go out and play, they, they kind of have an expectation level, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you better, you better live up to it at this point. You know, not 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 in the sense of you got to go out and just you know be this uber guitar guy. You don't just be consistent. You have right. to be consistent. And if you implement a lot of these strategies, I think you know, especially like just learning a song properly, man, yep. is going to do so much for your gig getting possibilities as you know going out and spending you know ten grand on gear. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's uh, something to be said for that. Yeah. You know, and, and especially on the drums. I've noticed a lot of times when I play with drummers, other than my best good friend, Chris Mathis, <laughs> when I have to do gigs with drummers I've never played with, you know, it's the same kind of, I'm checking the same boxes in my brain Yeah. for them. Did yeah. they do X, yeah. Y, and Z? Did they listen to the song? Yeah. Did they really listen to it? Yeah. You know, and if they did you'll be able to tell immediately because they, they have all the arrangements, the arrangements nailed, all the dynamics are right. The drum fills, yep. F-I-L-L-S, yep. are on point. Yep. It'll be immediate in the first <clears throat> Well, it, it becomes immediate because if you've put that much time into learning your parts, right. then those parts go with the drum parts and the drum parts go with the bass parts. And if anybody's off, like, you know, red flags go up pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I can, I can say just from being a drummer, I've, I've had a couple times where I've called a, a guitar player out, you know, and said, Hey, that, that portion where basically the band is not in, the guitars have mm-hmm. to set up yes. something. Yes. You got to play that part right. You right. know what I mean? Or it feels wrong. It, it, it intros wrong. It comes in wrong. Whatever mm-hmm. word you want to use. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff is wrong if that guy hadn't put in his work. Yeah. I mean, and, and especially in a situation, if you're, you know, 
Chris and I are in a lot of hired gun situations. Like you will never have played with these cats. Never, you know. Hopefully you've rehearsed, but a lot of times you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just throwing goes. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know. I had a situation. You know, I was at a gig. You know, it was the same similar situation. You know, it was everybody met for the first time, got in the van, went up and did the gigs. You know, luckily everybody was prepared and all that stuff. So. But you're going to be in situations a lot of times where you get called into a gig and you've never played with any other person. Yeah. So, I remember that happening the first few times with me where it's like, oh, yeah, we're just going to send the songs out to the, the musicians. Mm-hmm. We show up for a quick rehearsal and then we go play. But what's crazier, like you're saying, mm-hmm. is for that to happen and there is no rehearsal. You just go to the gig and you play and you're just you're hoping that everyone's hit their, hit their stuff and wishing, as hard man. as you have. Right. Hoping and, and wishing. <clears throat> and, and, you know, ultimately you can't control what other people do but it also separates the driftwood in this business it separates the guys who are really true professionals and the guys who are just still an amateur hour right so right. you know and I, so to kind of you know um, keep the train in the right going down the tracks um, so you've got the song you've learned the song but how are you going to implement the song? Right. So what I mean by implement it, are you going to memorize it mm-hmm. or are you going to write down a chart? Right. Um, which is what I do on a lot of gigs because I don't have the luxury of the time frame in which I have to learn the songs. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to memorize the songs, right? Right. So you have to throw together some quick chart mm-hmm. and the best, most efficient way of charting that I use is a system called the Nashville number system. Yeah, this is a system that's been around for a long time. Um, It works well. What's cool about the Nashville number system is it works well for rhythmic instruments. Yes. So say everybody, everybody, it works for everybody. If you guys haven't heard about it before, um, this was a system that was devised like in the Mm fifties. Um, and it's used in Nashville, you know, now, like when, when John and I have done, you know, tracking stuff in Nashville, it's amazing how like you see it everywhere. Everybody um, uses Nashville numbers out. out it's Nashville. really cool. It's like a, it's like a rudimentary approach. It is. Even if you have a very small understanding of music. Yeah. Theory. You don't have to be, you know, Ludwig von Beethoven to yeah. understand Nashville numbers. It's right. super easy. Just a, like Chris said, basic understanding of some simple concepts and you're off and running. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and when these studio musicians in the 50s devised up this thing, you know, these cats were, they were probably doing 20, 30 sessions a day. Yeah, yeah. They don't have time to memorize mm-hmm. songs. Mm-hmm. They've got to get in, do the, do the session, and move to the next one. Right. So that's when, you know... Not to get off on a, on a side tangent, but that's when creativity usually something something genius uh, breaks out of of just the need for something. Yeah. Right. The pure need for a quick, efficient charting system, and these guys figured it out. They figured it out. Yeah. And what it's, I- it's it's used to this day, and so that's that's what I use when I'm doing like these one-off hired gun gigs. Is I have a chart, and it's all Nashville number based, mm-hmm. and it helps me. You know, obviously, you know, it's, it, you know, it's a crutch, mm-hmm. you know, but it's a necessary crutch because I'd rather sound good with that crutch as opposed to sound like crap with it. 
right. with it, not think. <clears throat> well, I'll mm-hmm. give you guys a, a for instance. I, would, I wouldn't call it a crutch so much as a roadmap. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, so yeah, I've got I, yeah. That's a bad word. I shouldn't yeah. say crutch. It's a roadmap. Yeah, we'll strike that from the yeah. from the record. Yeah, so it's, it's a roadmap. I'll give you that's guys exactly a I'll give you guys is. an example. I use it when I'm learning songs. I don't use it on the gig. Yes, uh, if I have the luxury of getting songs really early, I'll use it to learn songs. Mm-hmm. But I most of the time I try to trust my memory at that point. Yeah, and, and, and and not to interrupt, but I think the standard is a little different for drummers. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just kind of the ethical code of 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 the bandstand is you really don't want your drummer read a chart. Yeah, because it just no. it, if the drummer doesn't know the song, then you're screwed. <laughs> but it's, it's you bad news. I've seen some videos and, and pictures of, of drummers reading a chart and playing drums. But you know what's very common is guys that play in pits, like in orchestra. Yeah. If you're an mm-hmm. orchestra drummer. You're looking at a chart pretty much the whole time. But in gigs like we're playing, I don't know how much confidence it would make you feel if the drummer right. is just like reading a chart right. the whole now, time. Now, I, I watched a YouTube video with uh, a famous uh, L.A. session musician named Tim Pierce. Oh. And uh, he plays on all the big like Grammys, Oscars. And he did a YouTube of his day at the Grammys. Oh, wow. And it showed you know him and the whole, you know, whole band going through their, I think they, gosh, I don't know, it, it was something like 150 songs yeah but they're like 15 20 30 seconds of these songs yeah so the drummer is doing the same thing you're talking about just Mm -hmm. reading charts but he's nailing the parts but you can tell if he had to yeah he could probably do every single one of those songs without those charts it's just something to probably stimulate that roadmap that roadmap yep so you know and, and fortunately for chris I would be probably feeling some kind of way if he was reading charts on the <laughs> Okay, I didn't make the rules. That's just it's drummers. Just, just how there's, there's more. Expected. Sorry, drummers. There's a little bit more. There's yeah. just yeah. you're gonna have to sack yeah. up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm saying? I, I think I think the guitar player in the band. Most people would rather him have that roadmap there. Yeah. You know what I mean? As opposed to just flailing and fishing around yeah. for stuff. Yeah. So my roadmap helps me tremendously um, have that consistency because when you're using a natural numbers you're able to notate complex rhythmic permutations just with quick little symbols Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know Um, and and it keeps uh, just keeps everything on the tracks moving moving forward yeah so learn the song writing a natural number chart you're ready to go right you're ready to go. Well, if you guys, so before we move on too much further, if you guys are interested in reading more about the Nashville number system, obviously you can Google this. There's some stuff out there, but we're going to put some uh, some links in the show notes as well. Yeah, um, so you guys can, sure. you know, if you wanted to dig in deeper on, on this stuff, there's a uh, there's people out there that describe it and go into great lengths a lot uh better than us, yep. us cats and for a kind of a shameless uh, plug for a great drummer in nashville his name is jim riley mm-hmm. uh, he plays with rascal flats yep. he's the band leader band mm-hmm. musical director for that band he wrote a great book for drummers that is based in the nashville yes. system which is great so it is a little different for drummers um you know because yeah. because sure. the thing that's what i love about the the nashville number system especially if i played a, a, a melodic instrument mm-hmm. is that you can change the key of the song really quickly mm-hmm. now for drummers that doesn't really matter because right. you know, you've got your, your overhead keys yes. you know, whether it's in C or F mm-hmm. or whatever and you can switch gears pretty quickly mm-hmm. 
Drummers don't have to do that. So this book kind of teaches you just the rhythmic side right. of Nashville numbers. So that's pretty cool as well. I might throw that uh, that link in there. Yeah, as well. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely put that in there for you guys too. So, so um, we've 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 come from ways to learn the song, ways to get the tones right, Nashville number system to chart it out. So we've got all this this information. We've got our song. We've got our mm-hmm. knowledge. We've got our chart. Yep. We're at the gig. Yep. Tell me some ways that we're implementing, like a professional way of implementing that at the gig. What do you think? So I think, you know, obviously besides, you know, obviously showing up on time and being prepared, you right. know, right. Check, check one and two, right. is you got to be able to pull this off live. Mm-hmm. And that's going, what I mean by that is obviously if you have the ability to have rehearsed with your band then that's ultimately where you're going to be able to fine tune the stuff so when you get to the gig you're almost on autopilot so let's let's assume that you're in a situation where you haven't been able to rehearse it's hired gun everybody's a hired gun show up and play show up and play okay you know having you know your roadmap there is going to help you but the biggest thing is you've put that listening time in Mm -hmm. and if you've got that melody stuck in your head, you're going to be able to always fall back onto that. Super important here, take a drink, that when you've done your listening, that melodic idea and phrase is seared into into your memory. Right. So I guess for a guitar player, there is some things you need to memorize about a song that, 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 your 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 chart or your roadmap won't necessarily, you know, provide for you unless you can notate out the melody line and sight read it. And if you can do that, because that'll be that'd the quickest be way. That'd be amazing. <laughs> um, but you know, most guys don't do it that way. You know, for for me, I don't do it that way. I'm always when I listen to the song, the melody is just seared into my head. Right. So I'm always. That's on a constant loop in my head as I'm performing these songs live. It keeps me on the tracks yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Because I know I've figured out the tone. I, you know, I got the right guitar. It's on the right pickup. You know, I've got the right overdrive, the right delay. You know, I've determined there's a separate set of effects that kick in in the chorus versus the bridge. Like all that stuff is, I've got that down. Yeah. And then you know. You just got to have the conviction. Yeah. yeah. You know? and, 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 you know, ultimately, you know, if you do it with some conviction, you're going to be okay. Yeah. You're going to be just fine because everything's been prepared before, before <clears throat> in, in, in your, in your learning of the song. Yeah. Right. Well, there's a part of, there's an element of it to me where, you know, we talked about guys that play like in a pit. Mm-hmm. Well, their stage presence mm-hmm. isn't necessarily as important, right? Because they're not yep, really on absolutely. the stage, they're down yeah, the hole. They're down the pit. So there is a part of preparing for the gig mm-hmm. where you can use your chart on stage, whether that be a physical piece of paper chart sure. or an iPad or whatever you do. You know, right. I've got a buddy that plays guitar and he uses an iPad clamped to a, a music stand. Yeah, that's what, I've got, that's what I use is an iPad. So. But what if this artist hired you? And he's got a great stage presence, and the bass player's got a pretty good stage presence, and you're up there glued to a chart the whole time, mm. right? That's going to look weird, right? No way. So I'm, I'm saying all this to say, 
you got to internalize these songs so much that really all you're doing is glancing at that chart, maybe at the beginning right. of the song or maybe at the beginning of your solo or a segue to a bridge or whatever. Right. If you're glued to that thing, you're not contributing to the band's performance. No, and that's something that you'll need to determine once you get the gig. Right. You know, if you're playing with an original artist that's, say, doing a supporting act for a national act, mm-hmm. um, you're probably playing 30, 45 minutes tops. you got to make a big impact. You have to be able to, like Chris said, make a you know make an impact on your instrument. So you can't be tethered to an iPad. You need to have your your, your stuff learned. Yep. Yep. Um, to to the atomic structure, and um, good point that being tethered to your roadmap is that that's not an option on that game. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Where you can be is if you're on a corporate gig and you've got eighty songs that you're playing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There there is a definite uh, need for that. Or, you know, some artists are like, hey, I'm cool with you having charts on yeah. on stage. Yeah. And if, that, if that's the case, then great. But that's something that you need to make sure that you are clearly defined with, with the artists you're playing. Like, hey, you want me to learn this stuff? Can I have a chart? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they will let you know which they want you to do and whatever they prefer is what you should do. Right. You know, right. Uh, you know if it's going to be a bunch of tunes, well, then you better start to get to work yep so that's just kind of you know it is a case by case thing yep. uh, basis yep. um, for, I agree for, for the um, for the roadmap or charts but you know having even if you're not able to bring the chart to the gig per se just making a chart is so helpful and beneficial for just your comprehension of said charts right you know right because there, if you can't use a chart on this gig, there's probably going to be a, another gig down the road where you can. Right. And your proficiency in writing these charts is going to expedite your workflow tremendously. And so right. when you're working, you know, using yourself and myself, our weeks this week of mm-hmm. playing is super busy, right. which is good. Right. That's, that's what we're trying to do. Right. Um, but, you know, we have put time into songs that we've had to prepare to learn this week and I guarantee you Chris has probably had to write some charts out and it's not like he's going to use them but once you put something down on paper Mm -hmm. and you see it and you're able to practice with the chart you know it's just another way for your conviction when you perform it live to really be nailed yeah and I would say it helps me learning um, if I am writing I don't know what you know we could we could go into the the amount of whatever you know the percentages of learning is, but right. it, when you're when you're physically writing something, mm-hmm. your brain somehow it gets sticky in your it head does. a little bit, you know. And yeah. so that conviction you're talking about, like you would have that conviction because your brain has internalized that. Mm-hmm. So you know sometimes um, it, it's it's really just writing those things down, and maybe then like, hey, I don't need those charts going forward because I wrote them down. Right. Maybe just the, the 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 act of doing the that. muscle memory, yeah, just that. So you know what, memory. I'm going to write down kick drum in the intro. Hi hats yeah, in the totally. pre-chorus, build into the chorus, mm-hmm. you know, and then the whole band's. And in, see, right? that's something that you can probably put on your set list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, you can you know have your songs you know spaced out a little further on your set list and, and, and put those little quick notes, uh, quick notes about you know you know kick drum in the in mm-hmm. the in the intro, mm-hmm. you know full hat snare kick drum in the verse. Like you're able to really 
put those specific little rhythmic permutations that 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 are. But, but I'm not going to write down eighth notes on hi hat. Yeah, no, four no. bars. <laughs> not doing that. Not doing that. Not doing mm-hmm. that. If it's a specific signature lick on the drums, like right. that's probably something that you you would notate. So, God, could you imagine reading every note? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's guys out there that do it on yeah. the gig. Yeah, Lord, I, you know, I, God bless them, man. There, there's the. That's why they get all the orchestra and award show gigs because they are able to read that stuff and you know that's there that is definitely a lost art for sure being able just sight reading yeah you know because people that that can do it you know that's it's impressive it is impressive it really I was is. about to say I, I look up to those people because I yeah, I never learned too, to read absolutely. I never learned to read to that level because I didn't have to right exactly and and, and, and you know I. I I had sight reading classes in school when I was in school, and you know, I was basically forced to sight read. Um, but it's unfortunately, it's not something that I really continued because I didn't see it on my gigs. I was seeing Nashville number charts mm-hmm. or or what's called a lead sheet. Yep. And a lead sheet is just basically a it's a piece of music paper or staff paper, and it's got the melody line written out, mm-hmm. and it's got the chord above the bar. Mm, okay. So it's the inverse of the number. Instead of having a number symbol for the chord, you actually have the written oh. chord out. So like E flat minor seven mm-hmm. will be above the bar, and then the melodic, uh, you know, the rhythmic phrase for the melody would be notated out in the bar. So you have the melody yep. and the chord. Huh. So gotta that's kind of flip that, your brain, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what ninety percent of every gig that I had was either sight reading from a number chart or a lead sheet. Hmm. So if you're able to do that, that I would, you know, it's going to help you get gigs. So to kind of summarize this whole uh, learning the song right, I think the, the biggest the biggest thing is listening to the song, or a few things. Mm-hmm. Listen to the song. Listen to it. Don't play it. Just listen. Yeah. Let it soak in. Yeah. And then have that melody line sear into your brain if you're a guitar player. Uh, I probably so if you're a drummer too. Yeah. I would say learn the melody. Yep. Uh, like I said at the top, I mean, learning the melody is huge because I want to be able to call that up mm-hmm. and instantly know, okay, this is what the chorus feels like. Yes. Absolutely. And I think that, that you're connecting with the artist. You mm-hmm. know, and I think John and I, let's just, you know, preface by saying John and I, we come from an artist kind of background. Because right. that's the kind of gigs we get mm-hmm. more than anything. Yes. And that's mm-hmm. what the artists, they put their time in to sing the chorus that way, to yep. sing the verse that way. Yep. So if you can pull those things out of your head, I think it, you're, you're attaching your instrument to that so much cleaner. Absolutely. And you need to make sure that that is memorized. Yeah. You don't need to... There, that, that's There's just no something guessing. you have to do. Yeah. So listen to the song, learn the melody, and then if you have the ability to make a chart, um, you know, if definitely do that j- just for muscle memory. And then play the song with conviction. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know. I'll tell you, the conviction part is pretty important because even if you made a mistake, if you were glued to an iPad, I just want you to get this visual image. You're glued to the iPad and you're playing. Yep. No stage presence. (laughs) Yeah. And you mess up a lot. That's a problem. Yeah. But if you're up there playing with conviction, I promise you, and stick stage out presence, right? and yeah. you got your stage right. presence going and stuff like it's, that, it's going if to you, overshadow yeah, that, that. Any mistake. kind of small mistakes, it's like, dude, that guy was kicking ass. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That, that's, 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 take a sip. Super important. Super important. Um, so, um, 
we want to get you guys' feedback on on this. You know, what are what are when you're learning a song, what exactly do you do? Are you implementing any of these processes yeah. that we have laid out? Um, if you're not, uh, maybe give it a try. It might it might expand your mm-hmm. your, your capabilities. Yep. You might be like, wow, I I've been really like this stuff's kind of easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? You may be making songs more difficult than they really are. So just by listening to it, learning the melody, um, you know, for guitar players, you know, it's a little bit more, you know, you got to figure out what guitar to use, what pedals, what sounds, what dynamic changes, all that stuff factors in, but you're doing that when you're listening. Right, listening. When you're listening. You're not going to be playing and figuring out tones while the song's playing in the background. Right. Not at first. Not at first. So let us know what you guys think about what we have, uh, our, our learning the song properly ideas. Um, you know, especially, you know, we want to know what you drummers are, are doing too. Um, what kind of strategies do you guys implement? Mm-hmm. Um, do you use kind of the same kind of approach? Um, you know, all you working musicians out there, let's, let's, let's unite on this and see if we can't um, get some... Just some feedback. some feedback, yeah. yeah. If you guys are using systems that maybe you know John and I have never heard of, like sure. we're always learning. Yeah, you know, like absolutely. We, we want to hear from you guys, and, and we appreciate the feedback we've gotten from previous episodes already. Yeah, yeah, it's been super, super awesome, and we are just getting started with this little podcast here. We have uh, our first episode with our uh, nice new Yeti microphones. <laughs> hope you guys hope hope you guys ears are, are loving our new our yes. New quality setup yes it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty dope dope pretty dope hashtag dope hashtag dope that's what the young kids say all right guys that's gonna wrap it up for episode six so we appreciate you guys and we'll see you next week we are out